As we go to God's word, let's just ask for his blessing on us as we share the word today. Lord, as we open scriptures, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would give us an understanding mind and a believing heart and finally a confessing mouth that we may share the fullness of what you have to speak to us this morning through your word. So add your blessing to us, we pray, and give us your peace, we ask, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to ask your attention this morning to Genesis 16. And I'm going to start reading at verse 1, and I'm going to read the first 13 verses. Very familiar story, story of the runaway slave. Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, and so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah had said, So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave it to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now when she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And then Sarai said to Abram, You're responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, And now she knows that she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do whatever you think best. And then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from him. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that's beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, Why have you come here, or excuse me, where have you come from, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that there will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, you are now pregnant. You will give birth to a son. And you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. And he will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who had spoken to you. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That's why the well was called Bir Lahoroi. It still stands there between Kadesh and Bered. And so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son that she had born. Now, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar was born to Ishmael. So far, God's word. People of God. People are always running away, aren't they? 
we see Elijah, powerful prophet of God, standing on the mountains and and calling down the, the fire of God from heaven. One man facing 850, no fear in his body. And we see him there with all of his majesty praying for rain. Lord, send the rain. Send the rain. And then he runs 26 miles back into town in front of the chariot. If you can imagine not running a horse for 26 miles, that's a marathon. And when he gets there, think of the exhaustion of the day. Running. And then one lady, one wicked lady, happens to be power, power lady, but one wicked lady says, by this time tomorrow you're going to be dead. And Elijah, that powerful man of God, should have said, that's not what God says. But what does she do? What does she do? He runs. Runs away from that lady. We see Jonah when God has said to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to the enemy, and I want you to pray for that city that it will be delivered. And Jonah said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to be the one who goes to the enemy and, and brings salvation. And so he runs from God. What a challenge. Always running away. Sometimes in our life, we maybe not like it at home, and so we decide to run away. And we're gone for a time, and then finally we have to be brought back again. But I want to have you think about this lady for a moment as she runs away from her mistress. The God who sees me. That's quite a challenge. And as she runs away, as she, she leaves, there's, there's a whole story that because the God who sees me sees her past, and he knows exactly what she was. She was a slave. An Egyptian slave, we're told. Well, where in the world did Abraham and Sarai come up with an Egyptian slave? Well, if you go back to Genesis 12, you find out that Abraham went, went down to Egypt because there were some issues going on in the land. She went to Egypt for a time and, and dealt, dealt with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh saw Sarai and said, she's a beautiful woman. And that's when Abram decided he didn't have to trust God. He would just do it. And he said, said to his wife, just, just tell him that you're my, my sister. And so Pharaoh hears sister, so he marries her and brings all kinds of problems into, into Pharaoh's palace. And, and Pharaoh finally fes, says to, to him, why didn't you tell me? Why did you tell me she was your sister? Well, she's my half-sister. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? I would have left her alone. And then we read, and while he was there, Abram became very wealthy and acquired many men and maidservants. They returned to what was to be the Holy Land. And while they're living there, we live now for 10 years, there's peace reigns in the house. Hagar becomes the handmaid of Sarai. And they have a good working relationship. She was an obedient person. She did what God said, what Sarah told her to do. 
probably didn't even worship. She saw God in action in Abram's life, Sarah's life, but probably with her other servant people hung on to their pagan religions that were there. Now I know the God who sees me. She knew about him, but she didn't know him. And then all of a sudden, after 10 years of living in this surrounding way, doing well, being the handmaid, being obedient, doing as she's told, Abram needs to have a son. And so Sarah comes up with the plan, let's marry you, uh, marry you off to my handmaid, and maybe then I will have a child. They would do that. They would have a child through somebody else, then they would adopt it and say, that's my son. So as they're, they're going, the God who sees me sees this too. And when Hagar becomes pregnant, things change. She's no longer the obedient child, the obedient servant. She's the lady, and remember, the God who sees me sees that past. He sees the change in the heart of Hagar where she becomes proud she becomes scornful. She becomes despising her mistress, challenging her every day, saying, I am better than you because I can have a child and you can't. You've been sterile all of your life, and, and, and now I'm going to be the one that gives, gives the husband the, the child of promise. The God who sees the past sees the despising that's taking place. And as they lived that out for a little while longer, Sarah finally goes back to Abram. Remember, it was Sarah's plan. Sarah said, this is what I want you to do. But then what does she say? Abram, you caused this. If you can't solve your own issues, blame somebody else. And so she blames Abram. Abram says, well, do with whatever you want. And then God sees that past again, and he sees the misunderstanding that's taking place but he also sees the mistrust, the misuse. The despising of one causes the sin of another. And you and I have got to remember constantly, isn't it, that so very often one sin in our life begrets another one and we continue to grow in that sin. The God who sees me sees the past and he knows my past. He knows exactly what's been going on in my life. He knows how many times I'm disobedient to him. But the challenge stands strong. But the God who sees me also sees the running away. And that's the second thing I wanted to have you see. When he, when he sees her, he finds her by the well. He asks her, well, where'd you come from and where are you going? Now, the God who sees me knows exactly where I've been, doesn't he? He knows what I've been doing. He knows my heart. He knows my, my life. He knows my, my understanding. He knows my misdeeds. He knows my sins. But as he does that, and knowing her, he asks her because he wants confession. Confession is a must in the life of a Christian. Confession is a must in the life of Hannah. And so when he asks her, where are, you, where are you from and where are you going? She tells him one part of the story. I'm running away from my mistress. She owns that. 
But she kind of blames that on the mistress. I, I, you know how my mistress was. You know how that was. How many times don't I hear people tell me, the kids tell me later on in life, I had terrible parents. That does not excuse you for living the way you are. As Hannah does that, if you notice what she says, I'm running away from a message, but she doesn't tell him why she's running away. She doesn't own the reality that she herself has caused the situation by the despising, by the hatred, by the, by, by, by the, the venom that she was showing to her mistress. She just says, I'm running away from her. That leaves the implication that she must be a terrible person. She must be something horrible. But the God who knows is the God who knows her running away as well. And so when he does that, when he challenges that, he's waiting for her to own up to the reality of it all. When God comes to us knowing our hearts, knowing our, knowing our lives, knowing our sinfulness, and he asks, where have you been and what have you been doing? He wants you, he knows what's going on, but he wants you to confess it. He wants you and I to say, Lord, we've been disobedient people. Lord, we've walked away from you. Lord, we, we haven't done what we have. Lord, we haven't been faithful to our promise to our mates. We haven't been faithful to our promise to our children. And as you walk through those paths, the challenge comes each day. Where have you been? And where are you going? As I live life with my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I would like to ask them many times, where are you now and where are you going? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you walking in faith with the Lord? Are you being willing to trust him in the middle of it all? Are you willing to know the challenge that's there? I watch my children blessed by God in many ways, and I see the trials that God puts them through. But where have you been, and where are you going? And if you notice where she is, she's at the well in Shear. Now, Shear is about halfway between where Abram is and where Egypt is. She's going home. She's heading back to Egypt. She hasn't been there for 10 years plus, but she's going home where she thought she had it better. She was a slave there too, but you can always have it better if you look back, right? I always had a better life. If I listen to people talk, I never hear them talk about the older age as, as the horrible life they lived. I always hear about the good old days, how good they were and how wonderful it was and what a joy it was. And we didn't have a lot to eat, but we always had enough food, all those types of things. But do they really ring true when I say, God, you know my past? You know where I've been. You know what I'm doing. You know where I'm going. And the God who knows is a God who knows me in so many ways. And as he comes, she comes to that point then, 
she says, you know, you are the God who knows me. That's the challenge, isn't it? To be able to go before God, stand before God, and say, God, I can't fool you one moment. I can't fake you out one day. I can't hide my sin and think nobody's going to be the wiser of it. Maybe men will not find out. But, Lord, you know my heart from the very beginning. You know how I live. You know what I think. You know the very thoughts of my mind. You know the challenge that goes forward. Hannah's there. You are the God who knows me. And I can go to God and say, God, you know me. You know me better than I know myself. You know my heart. You know the intentions of my life. You know what, what my plan is for my life. And the challenge that's there. I have been in ministry now for 57 years. And somebody asked me the other day again, um, when are you going to retire? I said, well, I've done that five times. But I, I'm not good at retirement. Because when I retire, something always comes up. I'll tell you a little story. I retired from calling pastor at First Byron when I was going to turn 80. And I, said, I told her the council, I've been here 15 years as calling pastor. When I turn 80, I'm going to retire. So when it got to that point, we had another man in place. Our pastor invited me to the front and say a few words. And then he said, well, Pastor Ron is retired now. He said, you won't hear him preach anymore. And everybody thinking, yeah, right. But, you know, I figured, so they had this big cake reception for us and everything else. The very next Sunday morning, 6.30 in the morning, we get a call from the vice president of council. Pastor has food poisoning. Can you preach today? But I'm, I should have said, but I'm retired. But I don't do well at retirement. Because God who sees me still has a plan for me. God who sees you still has a plan for you. God, God who walks with us, the God who knows me, knows me better than I know myself. The God who knew Hannah knew her better than she knows himself. But he's waiting for her to confess and to say, I have done wrong. And he knows very much what's in her heart. And finally, she says, the confession of life itself. Now I know the God who knows me. Paganism disappears. All those heathen gods that I've served all of my life all of a sudden are pushed aside because now I know the true God. I know the God who knows me. Now I know God as my Savior. Now I know God as my Lord. And as she does that, it's like, okay, now what? And then comes the challenge because now the God that I know who knows me has another job for me. And he tells her very much, this is what it's all about, Hannah. Uh, this is all, all what it's all about. Um, I want you to go back. And I want you to be with your mistress again. And I want you to be obedient. I want you to go back now. 
Don't keep running away, but I want you to go back. I want you to go home. I want you to be where you belong. But I also want you to be submissive to your mistress. I want you to be the obedient servant that you were before the birth of your, the, the intended birth of your child. That's the challenge, isn't it? The God who knows me is now the God that I know the God who knows me. I know God knows my heart. I know he has a plan for every one of us. I know he knows what you're thinking. I know he knows where you're going to be. I know he knows the very reality of what it's all about. So what's the challenge each day? If I'm obedient to God, if I know the God who knows me, if I have him as my Lord and Savior and I trust him completely, then I know he never makes mistakes, even though other issues may come into our life, even though the challenges may be there, even though the struggles may be there, the failures may be there. The God who knows me, and now I know him as my Savior. I didn't just know him as a God out there, but I know him as a God in here. I know him as the Lord of my life. I know the God who knows me. And because I know the God who knows me, I'm willing to be obedient, to do what he asks me to do, to go where he wants me to go, to be what he wants me to be, to be used in such a way that God still can be seen in me by other people. What a challenge. What an obedient thing to be. So stop running away. God has a plan for every one of you. Maybe it's that challenge that says, I have to be there for my mate. I have been with calling pastor and, you know, after retiring officially from ministry, I retired from cadets three times. Every time I was asked to come back and do something different. But the challenge comes, I know what God is doing. All I can say is, I don't know what God has in store. But I know God isn't finished with me yet. I know the God who knows me, knows that he has a plan for me, a plan to prosper me, not to harm me. And that's the blessing, isn't it? When it's over and done, I hope my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren know this one thing. Dad knows the God who knows him. And Dad confessed him, and Dad lived him, and Dad worked for him until the day that God called him home. That's the challenge, isn't it? So think about your own life for just a moment. Maybe you know all about God. Maybe you know everything that's out there. Maybe you know the challenge that's there. Maybe you know that God knows your past and that God knows you're running away and that God knows he's waiting for you to confess and to finally say, God, I know you know where I am at and I know you know my sin and I want to confess that sin to you because now I know the God who knows me is the God who sent Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And he's the one that makes me his servant every day. Add your blessing to him as you seek to, to know him. Go to, go to your loved ones and tell them, I want you to know the God who knows you.
I want you to know the God who sees is the God who sees everything. Trust him completely. Don't run away. Don't be that person that's on their way out. Be submissive, rather. Meet the God who comes your way and experience the change of heart that takes place in your life. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, as we come before you now, we want to thank you for the joys that we can have, for the understanding that we find each day, for the privilege that we know as we trust you completely, and for the joy that's theirs as we walk in you and as we stand in you throughout our days. Add your blessing to us now further today and give us your peace from above, we pray, for Jesus' sake. We're going to sing together, To the Hills I Left My Eyes. Mm-hmm.